From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Australia's pledge to achieve net zero carbon emissions rests in part on the success of the federal government's carbon market. But explosive claims from a former head of the government's integrity body show almost all of the money spent on emissions reduction has gone to projects that did not contribute to reductions. Today, national correspondent for the Saturday paper, Mike Seckham, on the man blowing the whistle on the Morrison government's sham carbon projects. It's Friday, April 1. Mike, the person at the centre of this story is a man called Andrew McIntosh. So who is he and what makes him important to this story? Well, he's a professor of law at the ANU and he's one of Australia's foremost experts on environmental law. I got appointed as a commissioner on the Bushfires Royal Commission. I left, I left. And he's held many jobs over the years, lots of positions relating to climate change. Um, I was on the Climate Change Authority and I was one of the four members of the King Review. He was the principal author of a government commission review of the Emissions Reduction Fund a couple of years ago. Now, full exposure, I was the chair of the Domestic Offsets Integrity Committee, then I chaired the, the interim. But the job of his that's most relevant to your question and to my story was that for six and a half years, he was chair of a body called the Emissions Reduction Assurance Committee. That committee is meant to give its, its opinion on whether the method satisfies the integrity standards, and it gives that opinion to the minister. If they say it doesn't, then, it can't, then the method can't be made. Then the minister Which is basically charged with advising on the integrity standards, in quotes, that, that's the word they use, the integrity standards of projects that the government awards credits for carbon abatement and ultimately gives um, lots of money to for emissions reduction. And so that's what makes him important to this story because he came out last week and said that this whole process, this whole carbon market was essentially a sham. Right. So the person who was responsible for the carbon market's integrity for seven years is now saying that he thinks it's a sham. That's right. And McIntosh concedes himself that he is somewhat implicated. I'm implicated in this. Um, there's a backstory about. He says that early in the process, there were mistakes made in the design of the screen that left loopholes that were exploited by carbon traders and others. A bunch of mistakes were made in the early days. When these were identified, nobody wanted to fess up to them. But those mistakes were identified. The trouble was that then the government resisted acknowledging and fixing them. And then in more recent years, then things have escalated again beyond a simple cover-up to what I suggest is more an overt um, distortion of the scheme. And he says it's got worse over recent times, that what might have been oversights um, you know, in the beginning have since become deliberate attempts to distort how a carbon trading market works. So McIntosh also has a whole lot of data to back this up. The evidence suggests that around 70 to 80 percent of the credits are either not real, they don't, they're not backed by real abatement, or they're not backed by additional abatement. And he's done this huge, this enormous analysis of all the government money spent on carbon abatement schemes, and he found that somewhere between 70 and 80 percent, roughly three quarters of projects that were awarded these lucrative carbon credits by the government, um, yielded no environmental benefit. 
Right. So no benefit at all for, for the majority of these projects that awarded carbon credits. They, they didn't add to carbon reductions. That, that's right. That's exactly right. Incredible though it seems. They were either projects that did not actually reduce emissions or projects that did reduce emissions, but that were going to happen anyway without any need for the government to, to subsidise or pay them. So all up, Macintosh reckons more than a billion dollars has been wasted by the government on these sham carbon projects. And so he's calling for the agency responsible, the clean energy regulator, to be broken up. He says there also needs to be immediate reform of the methodology under which these carbon credits are issued. He says we should repeal hundreds of millions of dollars worth of low integrity credits that are already contracted. And he believes there needs to be an independent inquiry into the operation of the the whole emission reduction fund. McIntosh says Energy Minister Angus Taylor and the government are engaged in a, a massive greenwashing exercise, creating millions of carbon credits of dubious integrity that can then be sold on to big carbon polluters, particularly fossil fuel companies, and then can be claimed as offsets against their emissions. We'll be back after this. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, we're talking about the Australian carbon market and you're saying that three quarters of all carbon abatement paid for by the government is going to these sham projects and more than a billion dollars has been spent on these projects. So how does that work? How is that possible? Well, well, there there are three main tricks, I guess you would say here. The first is called avoided deforestation, which simply means not cutting down trees. So more than 20 million carbon credits have been issued under this part of the scheme. And the background to it is that over a decade or more, In New South Wales, the government issued a massive number of of permits to clear land to landholders on the assumption that most of those would never be used, right? That farmers could just have them in their back pockets in case they needed them. Um, They they issued so many that, you know, at the current rate of land clearing, it would have taken 1,600 years or something to clear the amount of land that was under these permits. But the federal government came along and assumed that all these permits would be actioned and would be actioned within the next 15 years. And so they started handing out massive numbers of carbon credits to farmers for not cutting down these trees that they probably weren't going to cut down in the in any case. It appears that the vast majority of the the forests that are being protected for the projects never would have been cleared anyway. You know, apart from the fact that most farmers didn't want to clear the land, as as Macintosh says, it just wouldn't be possible. There's no, I mean, there's just simply not enough bulldozers to do the job, right? You just you, you couldn't you just couldn't do it. And given the data 
data shows this. How could this method satisfy the offset integrity? Okay, and so that's, I suppose, part one, Mike. So what are the other tricks here? Well, the second loophole relates to something called human-induced regeneration. And another 28 million carbon credits have been issued for this method. And according to Macintosh, the method was designed to encourage landholders to stop clearing and to remove livestock from cleared land so that it could regrow. The loophole there was that aggregators realised they could register land where there, there already wasn't much in the way of trees growing and never had been. They, they noticed the loophole. Rather than targeting those areas where... The, the forest had previously been cleared, they headed out into the dry, more desert-like rangeland areas. And the claim was that the reason there were no trees was because they were being grazed off by livestock, and that if they just took the livestock off, the trees would regrow. The problem here is that studies by ecologists cast really serious doubt on this. They concluded that in these very dry areas, livestock grazing had little or no impact on tree cover. That, that the reason trees were sparse was simply because there wasn't much in the way of rain. We've used satellite imagery and tracked the changes in weed cover on these projects. Roughly half of them in, those, in the project areas have experienced either no change in forest cover or a decrease in forest cover since they started. And yet those projects have received eight to eight and a half million carbon credits. So in other words, once again, they're getting credits for allegedly growing trees in areas where there never were any and, and where there probably will never be any. Right. And so what about the the third loophole, Mike? You said there were three in total? Yes, and this is perhaps the most damning in a way. This involves proponents harvesting methane, which um, is a far more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, and they harvest it from large landfill sites and burn it to create electricity. So the biggest 20 landfills in Australia receive more than half of all the waste that is buried in this country. And what they do is they harvest the gas that is generated by that rotting waste and they burn it. So they've also received 20-odd million carbon credits. And the truth is these projects are good. They do cut carbon, but they were viable before the market was set up. Many of these landfill sites already had generators on them before this whole scheme came into operation. So funding them in this way doesn't actually add to emissions reduction because the, the reduction was already happening. It's, it's essentially paying someone for an activity that is already a profit-generating activity. And to add a bit more to that story, in 2018, when I was the chair of the committee, the Integrity Committee, we decided that those projects should not receive any more credits beyond their existing crediting period. And back in 2018 the Integrity Committee under Macintosh, actually formally advised government that these projects should not receive any more credits beyond the current round. But last year, Angus Taylor and his people instead extended this part of the scheme for another five years. And Angus Taylor has just made a, a new method to allow for all those projects to get another five years. Which really shows you how he and the government approached this whole scheme. Right. Okay. And I suppose that's kind of the point, Mike. The government is spending all of this money on what is a sham abatement, and they, they know it's a sham. They've been told by their own integrity committee that they should stop doing it, but they're not. They're instead continuing to allow it. And, and more than that, in the past couple of years, Angus Taylor has moved to appoint senior people from the oil and gas industry and the mining industry into many of the key roles on the various boards that monitor and manage these schemes. 
Right. And so why is that, Mike? Why does the government let the scheme run like this, which is wasting money and and not really helping to cut greenhouse gases? Well, in, in a nutshell, because they're dancing to the tune of the fossil fuel industry, particularly the gas industry, and other big greenhouse polluters. I mean, the the essence of it here is that those big polluters are coming under ever-increasing pressure from investors, from consumers, from more enlightened governments than our federal government to respond to the climate crisis. And, And they can do this in a couple of ways. One is by actually emitting less greenhouse gas, you know, improving their technologies and what have you. But the other is by offsetting their emissions by acquiring carbon credits earned by others who have reduced their carbon emissions by, you know, sequestering it in trees or underground or in the soil or, you know, burning off methane like those landfills. So they can offset their emissions by buying credits from other people who have done the work. So you can think of offsets here as as a commodity that can be traded or maybe the currency the, you know, the currency of emissions reduction. But the system relies on that currency having integrity. And what Macintosh and others are saying is that the credits being put out there by the federal government do not have integrity. They're not real money. They are, you know, if you like, counterfeit currency. So, you know, I think that's the guts of it. This is, this is the government trading in counterfeit currency. Mike, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... Thousands of nurses have participated in a strike in New South Wales, marching through Sydney CBD, protesting work conditions and wages. The Nurses and Midwives Association are in an ongoing dispute with the state government, demanding fixed nurse-to-patient ratios on wards and an increase in pay. Nurses held signs that read, We are not coping, as they congregated outside the Supreme Court on Thursday. And the head of Britain's cyber spy agency says new intelligence shows Russian soldiers in Ukraine are refusing to carry out their orders. The UK's director of the government communications headquarters said Russian soldiers were sabotaging their own equipment and have accidentally shot down their own aircraft. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Elle Marsh, Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Anu Hasbold and Alex Gow. Our senior producer is Ruby Schwartz and our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Brian Compo mixes the show. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you next week.